coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. He witnessed his father commit a brutal crime and... What's, what's the crime? Well, he committed murder in front of him. Who'd he kill? Um, he found his longtime girlfriend in bed with a man. What up, what up, what up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. So glad that you're with us. Greatest mental health and marriage and parenting podcast ever recorded. YouTube show, all of it. So glad that you're with us. If you want to be on the show, give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. It's 1-844-693-3291. Or go to johndeloney.com slash ask. All right, here's uh, vulnerability time. I am re-recording the intro to this this show. This is uh this is future John reviewing what past John did. So I recorded this episode, and as soon as it was over, I was just sick to my stomach for a couple of reasons. Um, I wasn't in a great headspace going into this show, and instead of being a grown up and having a hard conversation with Kelly and the team and saying, "Hey, today's not a great day. I got stuff going on in my personal life, just a lot going on," um, I went ahead and did it, and I ended up. I think, uh, blowing a couple of calls. And normally I would edit this out and I would take it out um, and y'all would never know what happened and it would just be a private little moment between me and the caller and it would never see the light of air or sweet Sarah would edit around it all and try to make me look good. And the reason I think it's important to put these calls out in this way is number one, they happen in the same show. I was having a bad day. And number two, I think it's important for me to be able to say, hey, here's where I messed up and I want you to take this lesson into your lives, into your marriages, into your friendships, into your dating relationships, into your relationships with, with your kids. Um, because sometimes expertise is having the right answer in the right moment. And sometimes expertise and wisdom is about saying, hey, now's not a great time. Let me circle back. Let me go for a walk around the block. Give me 30 minutes. I need 24 hours to think about this and let's circle back. So in this first call, a woman called um, about her husband and his weight gain. And the way she described his weight gain, and um, you, can, you can hear the call, but it set me off in a way that I ended up allowing myself. I, I, I'm not going to say I got dragged into it. I entered into her um, toxic relationship. I joined in. And I became a part of a really messed up dynamic that as, a, as the person she was seeking counsel from, wisdom from, I should have stayed above the fray. I should have stayed outside of it. And I didn't. I got involved. And by getting involved, I neglected a really important piece of wisdom for her and her husband, which is he needs to go see a medical doctor ASAP because he's had some dramatic life changes. And I did focus a lot on potential depression, focused a lot on her behavior and actions and the way she's treating him and talking to him. But because I got carried away and I got frustrated in the middle of that call, I allowed myself to get in the middle of this thing um, where I didn't belong. I, I, missed, I missed Healthcare 101, which is, man, if you've got some significant weight gain, some significant life changes, and you're not well, Go see your doctor ASAP. Start there. Start with a blood test. Start with a relationship with your primary care physician or a specialized doctor. Start there. And I got carried away. And so I blew it. And so I just want to say that up front, as you listen to this call, know that the first thing I should have told her was, A, you got to love this guy. B, 
He needs to go see a doctor today. All right. So here's my call with Jane from Houston. Jane from Houston. Here we go. What's up, Jane? Hello, Dr. Delaney. How are you? Um, <laughs> I'm good, but I can already hear it. Hi, Dr. Deloney. How are you? What happened? Well, um, I'm concerned about the state of my marriage. Through the course of our marriage, my husband has gained a significant amount of weight, at least 70 pounds, and it greatly affects our activities we can do together, be it from just taking a walk, going for a hike, and our sexual activities. And I'm just feeling like I want more. And he refuses to do anything to improve his health. And so my quandary here is on one hand, I feel resentful about it, that there's a lot of stuff we can't do together. Like I say, even just going for a walk. And then on the other hand, I say, okay, fine. I'll just go do my own thing, explore my own hobbies, and I'll see when I get back. I, I don't want to build up resentment and Oh, you're way destroy. past that. You're way past that. I know. Jane. You're way past that. Okay. I know a woman being resentful. Come on. Okay, listen. Um Jenna sent usually I get like one or two lines. Jenna sent a big chunk of your original email. Can we go to the can we go to the bottom of it? Okay. I mean I don't have it printed out. Not not the bottom of it. Like get to the bottom of it. What you just presented was this um, concerned wife who's just worried about the health of my husband, and I think that I think that I think that's true. <laughs> but here's what you wrote. Okay, I'm going to read it back to you. Okay. My husband has gained over sixty pounds since we married. Twelve years. He drinks at least a six pack of beer throughout the day and a nightcap or two. He eats out all the time and eats so much junk food. His weight gain has affected our sex life. In his prior marriage, his wife didn't want anything to do with him and refused to have sex with him. Therefore, since he had nothing else to do, he was the workout king. He was so hot. Why did she get hot Mike and I only get fat Mike? I enjoyed our sex life early in our marriage and I don't know what to do. He has bigger boobs than me. Or his boobs are bigger than mine. Okay, so that's a different level of disdain there. Tell me about that. Well, it's a turnoff. I know. know? I'm not talking about his boobs. I'm talking about like the, one of those is like, I'm a concerned wife. I'm worried about his health. We can't do things together. And I'm, I'm starting to feel alone. One of them, the other story is his first wife got the good mic and I got the leftover bum mic. And what kind of bum am I married to? That's a totally different track here. Talk me through that. No, well, because in every other aspect, he's great and wonderful, but why previously did he, in his previous marriage, did he put in the effort to take care of himself and be healthy? And now he claims he's happier than he's ever been, and yet he just keeps getting bigger. So, I mean, you hear it as you ask it, right? Right. Tell me about his ex-wife. We've already made this conversation weird. We're going to get super weird. All right. <laughs> Tell me about her. Apparently, she had mental health issues. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm only hearing his side. Of course. 
and there is every excuse for not being intimate, afraid of having kids, didn't want to mess up the kids, and, you know, every excuse for not being intimate. And so he said, well, I had nothing else to do, so I just worked out. Okay. Just between you and me, that's nonsense. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. What moves sex over to the side? Tell me about her. What did she demand of him? He put her through graduate school. Okay. As far as what she demanded of their relationship, I know nothing beyond that. That was long before we met. Okay. What do you demand of him? I want to spend time together and doing stuff. How do you get there? Currently, all we can do together is involves sitting and eating or drinking. But this, and this I'm didn't, not a big drinker. This didn't happen overnight, though. True. So True. Early in our marriage, it was, we were working, you know, raising a child, and we're both working 60, 80 hours a week, and, you know, our sex life was great. Oftentimes, you know, you hit the bed, and you're exhausted, both of us equally exhausted, and reach over, you know, hey, babe, I love you, I really want you, I'm just... You know, the body's weak. We're exhausted. The body's weak. You know. And, but now, we've raised our child. He's moved on with life. And my husband had this picture that the child leaves the nest. And, oh, right, we're going to be having rock and sex all the time. But he's gained all this weight. And it affects his ability to perform. And so... Now, his solution is I should do other things that I'm not particularly interested in. You know, let's go to a strip club. Mm. Uh, I want to see a stripper give you a lap dance. Mm. You know, as a woman, that's not a turn on for me. Yeah. And ew. So, <laughs> and ew. Um, that actually, that actually more confirms what I thought. Um, he's quit. He's completely given up. He doesn't like who he's become in this new life. And since he's not on the phone, I can only talk to you, okay? And what I hear is a woman who does not like her husband. You love and, him. Dude, I love a lot um, of people that I can't stand. But you don't like him. I want to be able to do stuff. I, I know. Together. Listen, listen, you listen, know, listen. We're listen, not listen. that old. You're trying to, I 100% agree with you. But you're trying to protect yourself, and I need you to stop for a second. You don't like him. And I don't think you've liked him for a long time. I'm just disappointed. And there is, oh man, there is no greater. Way to, to deflate a man than to look at him and say, I'm disappointed in you. And if you've been disappointed with him over this, my guess is over time, you've been disappointed in him a lot. Now, I'm not blaming you for where he, where he ended up. This has been his choice, his decision. And now he's grasping at straws because he doesn't like who he has become. And so he's looking for ways to increase his heart rate. That's why he's going to keep coming up with more wild and more wild and more wild. 
because he has to deflect this issue and make it not his, make it yours. The same way you've deflected this issue for years and made it all his. And if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. I'm willing to be wrong. No, I can, I can see that. My guess is, in, no, I'm to be careful how I say that. Um, I don't know that he sees any value in what comes next, other than to keep you from hassling him. And whose son was it? Was it your son bringing to the marriage or was it his? Mine. Yours. Do you love that boy? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm wondering if putting his first wife through grad school and feeling like he had a role to play there, even though that role killed him because it wasn't reciprocated and having a young man to raise, stepping in that boy's life and seeing him off to his next adventure and it sounds like a guy without a purpose other than just to stop being hassled. Well, I help him find that purpose. You got to first tell him that you like him and that you're on his team. Mm-hmm. Not just he's yeah. not performing for you and because he, he's gotten too fat and that you got ripped off in this deal. Your whole language is you got, you got, you got ripped off. Instead of seeing, I've got a hurting man in front of me who's dying here. And my trying to beat him up all these years, all these, over all these things, it, it, that's, not, that's not working. Yeah, and I don't feel I've been beating him up because I only broached it a few times of, hey, let's go for a walk. Let's do something no, together. No, no. I, 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 I would be willing to bet money. I don't have a lot, but I'd be willing to bet money that if I was talking to him, he's had a hard time making you happy over the years. Is that fair or no? I don't think so. Just out of the blue, he just suddenly went from super hot, um, always in the gym, always working out, to suddenly having to drink himself to a, a coma every night? No. You know, when we got together... Neither of us was working out because we didn't have time. We were both working a couple of jobs. And, you know, now our child is raised. You know, we're both self-employed. We're debt-free. Let's find something that we can do together. Let's, you know, enjoy life. Do something. Go see the country or something. But do you Anything. S- you don't mm. like your life either. I, I hope you can see the dance that's happening here. Is you got a guy who doesn't like who he's become. And so he blames himself. And he's going to slowly eat and drink himself to death. And he's got a wife who doesn't like who she's become. But heaven forbid she blame herself, so she blames him for the life that she's getting ripped off from. And it becomes this weird wobbly dance that nobody wins until either he drops dead or you leave. So how do I help him find who he wants to become? Leaving the marriage, I love him. 
you know, and I want him to be happy and I want to fulfill his dreams and fantasies. He's, he's got to be involved. Yeah. Will he go to marriage counseling with you? Probably not. Why not? He went to counseling previous in his previous marriage and it went nowhere. Okay. So been there, done that. The working out, been there, done that, didn't work in the previous marriage. And so, you know, why try it again? Yeah, I don't, I don't do diagnosis on this show, but that's a depressed guy who's done. He's just out. You've heard of the diseases of despair? Correct. It's a lonely guy. And again, in no way am I excusing him. I'm just trying to paint you a picture. That the path to his heart, the path to what comes next, the path to building this life you want to have with him, where y'all are just living your best self now that you got kids out of the house, the path to him is not through strip clubs. And the path to him is not through um, hassling him and calling him fat and making fun of his boobs and getting on to him about his drinking. At the end of the day, here's the truth. You can only control one person on the planet and that's you. And so what I would recommend for you is if he won't go with you, it's his loss at this time. But I would go see a counselor myself and not one to the whole call, the whole approach here is there's something wrong with him, but you can't fix him. What you can fix is you. And so I want, not that you need to be fixed, but learn some new dance moves, learn some new ways to navigate this relationship. And I would tell you to start with, I've got to rediscover, do I like this guy? Yes, I'll love him. You'll love him for the end of time. But do I like him? And does he know that I like him? But I don't think that's where you start. I think there's one layer beneath that. And I think you start with calling a counselor and during the intake when they say, why do you want to come? I want you to tell them, I don't think I like who I've become. I've become somebody I don't want to be. And I've participated in creating an environment where people aren't healthy, where I'm not healthy, my husband's not healthy, but I can't do anything about him. I can only do something about me. And I need to get back in touch with the, the woman that I love, that I like, so that I can reach out and let my husband know that I like him too. But you sound bitter. You sound frustrated. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be, man. It sounds like your whole relationship's just sideways. But you got a husband who's given up. Just want to give you a little bit of hope. Sometimes it just takes a little bitty spark to set the whole place on fire. And maybe by you going to do the work that you need to do for you, he can be inspired. He can see the light coming on in the house again. He can see that woman look across the room and say, I like you. And I'm willing to work on this thing if you are. That's my best guess here. And if he wants to call on the show, I would love, love, love to talk to him, Jane. I would love to if he if he would um, if he'd be willing to call. If he does want to call, 
let Jenna know and we'll get that set up ASAP. I'm rooting for you, man. I'll help any way I can if you got some specific questions, man. But this, um, someone's got to turn the lights on and stop the music and say we're not doing this dance anymore. I'm getting well. I hope you'll join me. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. And as I discussed at the beginning of the show, if you're just picking up with us, um, a couple of these calls on this episode, I blew it. One of them, I got involved in the actual dysfunction of the marriage relationship and I got carried away. I allowed that to happen. And so I ended up getting frustrated with the caller. I ended up missing a crucial piece of wisdom. In this particular call you're about to hear, it's Anna from Tulsa. And Anna has a son um, and that son watched her, his father kill somebody. And I've got stuff going on in my, in my private life. I've been on the road. I haven't been taking care of myself very well. My diet is about that of a second grader turned loose in his parents' pantry. And um, I was immediately thrown back to some of those crisis calls that I went on, with, especially with kids, especially with kids that saw things that they should never have seen, kids trying to make sense of awful things that their moms or dads had done either to them or to somebody else. And so you're going to hear in this call, I, I stumble through it a lot and I get quiet a lot and I just, there's long gaps where I don't say anything. Um, and again, normally we would edit that stuff out or I wouldn't have taken the call. It's rare that I blow it this bad, but I thought it was important this time for this one reason. If somebody comes to you with some hard information and it's not a good time, it's always okay to say, hey, I really want to be there for you. I need 30 minutes. I really want to be there for you. I can't meet right this second. Can we meet at 5 p.m. tonight? Can we meet after the kids are in bed? Can I take you to breakfast in the morning? So this is me being vulnerable. This is me showing you. Um, man, sometimes I step up to the plate and I just miss. Um, and um, this is an, a, a pivotal moment in Anna's life. And um, I showed up, but I wasn't fully there. Check it out. Let's go to Anna in Tulsa. What's up, Anna? Hi, Dr. John. How are you today? Rocking on. How are you? I'm pretty good. <laughs> so my question is, how do I support my 10-year-old son after a huge life change? He witnessed his father commit a brutal crime and... Um, his father will be gone for a long time. And what's, I know what's the, the question, crime? well, he committed murder in front of him. Who'd he kill? Um, he found his longtime girlfriend in bed with a man and, um, it was the, the next door neighbor. Jeez. What a mess. How many years did he get? It, it's still going, so... Okay. So before we go any further, can I just tell you I'm sorry? I'm so sorry. Your whole world's exploded, and I'm so sorry. Thank you. And I know you love your little boy. He's not on the phone with us right now. We can talk about him in a minute, but I'm just so sorry. <laughs> Nothing's ever going to be the same, and you didn't ask for this and didn't... 
I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. Yeah, it's uh, it it was definitely unexpected, and that's just, the most Oklahoma thing I've ever heard somebody say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, it was just unexpected. <laughs> it was a nuclear bomb that went off in your neighborhood and it detonated directly in your house. And I'm so sorry. My gosh, what a mess! For those of you listening, um. I've had to walk into that home too many times and hug too many Annas over the course of my career. And so I'm kind of speechless right now just because I know what's next. Um, okay, I'm not going to put my story under your story, Anna. So let's talk about you. How, how, how have, when did this happen? Um, it happened uh, at the beginning of December. So we've had a little bit of time to... Well, I was um, about to say, this is like yesterday. You've had no time. <laughs> he He's adjusting well. Um, uh, you know why? Because he, he's, he, he's 10. Yeah. That's why I'm worried about you. And I want to go out on a limb just by talking to you, saying you're struggling. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It sounds really like your ability to toggle in and out of being unable to breathe and you feel like if you start crying, you're never going to be able to stop to, it's okay, it's great. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> if you, I can't tell you how to grieve because everybody does it differently. But I want to tell you, the longer that goes, the deeper those grooves get, man, it gets real hard. And I know you feel like you have to be the rock in the wind for your son. And there's some truth to that. Somebody's got to make sure he eats and is fed and he's still got connectivity, especially after the hell he's been through and the hell he's going to go through. But the greatest gift he could ever have in the world right now is a mom that's honest with herself and with him and with the world around her. Okay? Yeah. He's going to need a, a strong balance of stability. And he's going to need a mom who tells him the truth when she's devastated and heartbroken, okay? Okay. Don't hide your grief from him. It's a gift. It'll be a great gift to him. Okay? Okay. That's my promise, my promise, my promise, my promise. God, I'm so sorry. How have how, you say? You say, you say it's been a, been a while. It's been no, it hasn't. It's been like a few a month, two months, right? Two and a half months. Um, has your son been asked to testify yet? Yeah, he has been, and that's that's kind of where my my question really is: is how do we handle that? Because his his grandmother, his paternal grandmother, is trying to. She's trying to manipulate his testimony and um, get her as far away from that boy as possible. Yeah, Tag? there's an order in place now. Good, so good, good. It's so, just hard with the, his questions, you know. Like, yeah. when can I go see them? When can I, yes. you know? Oh man. Okay. Um, let's walk through this from the tip top. Okay. He's gonna always know. That half of him is mommy and half of him is daddy. Okay. And the dance you're going to have to do 
is going to be a difficult one because you're going to have to let him know that I loved your dad, but I did not love what, like what he did. And he's going to, he got in big trouble for what he did because what he did was wrong. But the moment that switches to I hate him, I'll never love him again. I'm pissed off at him. He ruined our lives. That 10-year-old boy is going to internalize that because half of him is that guy. And then on the other hand, you got grandparents telling him how great he was and it was just a moment of whatever and it was for self-defense and it was a moment of passion. And so he's going to be thinking, yeah, it's, I guess, I guess the scariest, most sickest moment of my life was from a good guy. See how confused this little boy is? Right. So he's going to need in in short order, like today, tomorrow, right? And this isn't all fall on you. This falls on some caregivers. And that's why I can't stand it when adults act like idiots, like his his grandparents are. Well, and you know, I I can't call them idiots because they are trying, they love their son and they're, they're in the same, I get it. Um, He's going to have to know that he is wonderful and magical and able to overcome things, but he can't just get that with words. What does that mean? That means you're going to have to give him a bunch of little opportunities to be successful. And so are his teachers and so are his aunts and uncles that you trust. And so are friends of parent, uh, uh, parents, friends. He's going to have to have chores. He's going to have to have a bunch of little wins. And then when he has success in little places, Everyone needs to rally around and point it out. Look what you did. Great job. Look how hard you tried. Right. Right? And if we just wrap, wrap our arms around him and tell him, you're so wonderful and great and perfect and lovely and all that, there's going to be a disconnect in what his body feels and what his brain knows. So it's got to be through accountability. It's got to be through action. Okay? Whether that's a joining jujitsu or playing baseball or whatever. And you're going to have to be prepared for him to love, love, love his dad and be so mad at you that he can't go see him every day. And then in short order, hate his dad so much that he can't breathe. And then go right back to loving dad because he can't hate him too much because that means he hates himself. Do you see? I mean, it's just, it's going to be a dance from here out. Right. Right. Um, a friend of mine who does this for a living, works with these kids. Um, she's just a savant. She's been on the show, actually. Um, everybody's going to want to get to your kid because he's a prosecutor's dream and he's a defense attorney's nightmare, right? Yeah. Has he already testified or is it coming up or how's that working? It. He has already done the... He has done a... He's testified not in the court yet. They're still working on that process, but he's already done an interview. And did you interview with the, with the psychologist or with the judge in his chambers or her chambers? Um, he did, he did, um, well, they started with play therapy to to get, to get it, uh, going. And, and the prosecutor said that that is, uh, going to be strong in the case because they just don't want, he hasn't really talked about it and they don't, they want when it happens to be as organic as possible. And so he hasn't really spoke about it or anything. Okay. Um, he has a therapist he's going to weekly. Good. 
but that's still, they're still building a relationship. So um, I would write this down TFCBT, trauma focused cognitive behavioral therapy. It's extraordinary and it's actually pretty systematic. Um, and what it does is it teaches him how to feel safe in his body when his body sounds every freaking alarm that it has, which it will. Because there's going to be moments of terror and rage and self-hatred and hatred of dad and hatred of you and hatred of everybody. And that little body doesn't know how to handle all that. And so what trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy does, it teaches kids how to take deep breaths and how to lengthen the gap between stimulus and response and how to feel safe in your own body and what to do when you don't feel safe. So it's a lot of skills he's going to learn in a pretty systematic way. Um, and if it's possible there in uh, Tulsa where you live, I would seek that out. Okay? Okay. Um, what's I'm, And I feel like I'm just talking, man. I'm making your story mine. I've just been through down this road so much and it's just so heartbreaking for me. And I know it's heartbreaking for you. You're living in hell. I mean, you're, I mean your, your glasses are tinted in red and fire because you're living in hell. Um, any specific questions I can help with? I feel like I'm just rambling. I'm so sorry. No, but I appreciate everything you've said. It's, it's been very insightful in the situation. Um, my my big question is when this is over with and he has been sentenced and everything, how do I talk about, because I've already set the boundary, I'm not taking him to visit in the jail and I'm not going to... Uh, entertain phone conversations where he he's trying to put stuff in his head. And so I want to just be able to, to, I was thinking, okay, well you can write letters and then when you're 18, we can give them to dad or, you know, if dad wants to write letters, I'll give them to him when he's 18. But I just want to make sure that he feels like he's being heard because now, you know, his dad is gone. Yeah. Um, so part of the boundary is keeping your kids safe. And if in short order or if over time there is an understanding that if your husband is able to say, or your ex-husband, are y'all divorced now? We were never married. Okay. All right. So um, if he is able to say things like, daddy really messed up big time and I hurt somebody really bad and so I had to go away. If he takes ownership for the fracture in the relationship, that's the sign that um, I will entertain some communication. Okay. But if there's some, I got screwed. You see what I'm saying? He needs to own dad and son are not together because of something dad did, not son. I don't think he's there yet and I don't think he will be for a couple years. That's and that's his choice. And and I think in, in a way to articulate that doesn't mean you get the phone, doesn't mean you get um a bunch of visits up right up front. Um what you don't want to do is be the person that is so enraged by what he did and so enraged by the embarrassment and the shame and all that stuff and how he blew your life up and blew your son's life up that when he's able to say, this is 100% on me and son, I'm looking at you and I'm proud of you and I believe in you and you're not going to be like me. 
when he can say those words, those words will be um, like oxygen in that little boy's lungs. But that also takes a sense of maturity that somebody who hauls off and just kills the neighbor doesn't might not have, right? Right. And so I think you're wise to not allow con- connection right now. And I think you're wise to allow letters. And I would allow letters and read the letters. And if there's nothing bogus or dumb in them, I miss you, son. And I can't wait to see you someday and all that kind of stuff. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking out loud. Um, you know what? I'm just an idiot on a podcast. Work with this, this psychologist on that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm angry right now on your behalf. And so it's clouding my judgment a little bit because my thoughts right now is that guy deserves to never talk to that little boy ever, ever again, as long as he lives. And I want that boy to not know that man ever existed, except he can't because it's his daddy and he probably looks just like him and he saw everything that happened. Yeah. And, and, you know, if he writes letters and he does take ownership, then I think that would be a different story. It's just when he has done this and then he talks on the phone about how he wants his mom to, to get our son to manipulate the testimony. It just, it confuses me so bad because I don't understand how you would, you would, you know, first you've committed this act in front of him, and now you're trying to to re-traumatize him and, and, you know, convince him that he didn't see everything that he saw. Right. Yeah, he needs to be as far away from that man as possible. That man's lost the right to um, have have connection with his son. And I'm not saying that's forever, but that's certainly in, for the foreseeable future. If you try to weaponize a kid after what you did to him, God help you, man. I'll tell you this. Um, it's going to be very easy to go to autopilot. Please fight that with all you can. What that means is you're going to have to feel this, and it's going to be unimaginable pain. And I'll tell you, you can't do it by yourself. Do you believe me when I say that? I do believe So hear me say, the greatest gift you can get your son is for you to get a couple of good friends, for you to get a counselor, for you to get some friends at your church. I don't, wherever you've got people and set up a regular time that you can meet. And even if it's two or three girlfriends that you text and say, hey, I'm going to need to just speak openly and to word vomit sometimes. And I'm going to need someone to walk alongside me. I've picked y'all two or three or four if y'all are in every Monday at 10 or whatever, every Tuesday at whatever time, if y'all will be there for me as often as you can, I'd be eternally grateful. Okay, I can and, do that. And you keep showing up and you keep showing up and you keep showing up. And y'all ask each other, what's one thing you did good for yourself this week? What's one thing you're grateful for? What's one thing you are just devastated, heartbreaking for? Because you're going to have to fight the urge to check out to just numb through this because it's going to hurt that bad. And if the defense attorney's doing their job, their job is to make the world believe your 10-year-old son is a liar. And it will make you feel and see rage like you've probably never experienced in your life. And if he has a, your son has a good attorney, then um, their job is to defend him from that nonsense and that evil. Right. Let me say it this way. 
Let me say it this way. Everything in your life is different now. And the sooner, um, imagine your house caught on fire and all of a sudden the ceiling starts caving in and you put up one hand to try to stop it. And then all of a sudden the beam starts falling over here. And so you reach up over there and then the floor starts bubbling up and you've got one foot like over, you know, trying to keep the floor up. The sooner you just get out of the house and let it go to ash, which is where it's headed. And then you can start the cleanup process and start imagining what's life going to be like now. It's not any easier, but it's a whole lot less psychological devastation because you don't have, you don't have all that wasted energy trying to hold this thing together. Everything's new now. Okay. That makes sense. And it's okay to be so mad, so mad. And so heartbroken and so everything. That little boy's going to need the word, the nerd word we use is attunement. Um, attachment. He's going to need to know that his mommy sees his eyes and feels his heart. And that he can see her eyes and feel her heart even when her heart is sad. Okay. Okay. And I keep saying this, I'm so sorry. As y'all head through this process, um, please, please, please um, don't hesitate to call. Keep him away from media. Keep him away from well-meaning aunts and uncles. If you do have aunts and uncles come over or friends or whoever, feel free to say, do not talk about dad. Don't say you look just like him. Don't say so glad that you're not whatever or nothing. He's not mentioned in this house right now. The only person with permission to mention dad is, is your little boy. That's it. And we're not we're keeping away from yeah, say so keep away from media. Keep up the good work with him in counseling. And make sure you take care of yourself. I'll be with you every step of the way. Call anytime I can help. I'm so so sorry. My goodness. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Let's go to Robert in Chicago. What's up, Robert? Hey, John. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course, Hope brother. you're doing well today. Um, we're getting there, man. What's up? Uh, so I was uh, I was raised Christian growing up, um, but I've pretty much been an atheist my whole life. Okay. Um, my wife is also an atheist, but she believes that religion is brainwashing and it's bad. Okay. Uh, I disagree with her on this, actually. I, actually, I follow scripture and religion, and, and I like hearing about it, like on the Ramsey show. Okay. Um. I want to send our kids to a private Christian school and maybe church if they're interested in going. Um, So am I doing the right thing? Um, How do I guide them in life but not push them? And how do I approach my wife on this? Hmm. Feels like there's like five questions there. (laughs) Five questions there. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, So let let me say back to you what I heard, okay? Um. You don't believe in the fairy tale. Somebody's listening to all of your, the Harry Potter parts of the Bible, but you like the structure. You like the morality. You like the, if you follow these rules, you're probably gonna have a better life. If you don't kill people, you're probably gonna have a better life. If you don't lie and cheat and steal, right? So you like that part of it and you like the structure. Your wife, on the other hand, thinks (laughs) that's the problem with everything. All the world's ills are because of, religious people yeah 
(laughs) You got it. (laughs) Yep, that's it. So why do you want to send your kids there? Because you want them to learn that structure or just because it's comfortable because that's what you know? Uh, Because I want them to learn that structure and I I like the conservative background and the good principles that it teaches. So what happens if one of your kids comes to you and says, Daddy, will you baptize me in the name of whatever, uh, Jesus Christ? Are you in? Would you do that for them? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, And here's why I'm asking that. It's a tall order for a kid. What's the right way to say this? I'm struggling with my words. Um, If you send a kid to a private Christian school, they're going to get the Christian message, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to get the full package. And as a child, they, as much as our overly sophisticated parents try to make kids, which is just so insane what we do to kids these days, they will not be able to differentiate as little kids. They just won't. And what I mean by differentiate, they might be able to know like, I don't know if Santa Claus is real. That possibly. But in, it, they won't be able to differentiate. I think teacher so-and-so is lying to me. That's where it gets more challenging, okay? And so if you're sending them just for the structure, but you're going to fight them on the other things they learn and what they, the other things they come to on their own, then I would suggest maybe that's not, that's not you're going to confuse your kids. Um, if you are sending them there because, no, man, I want them to be open, hold belief with an open hand, and I'm going to honor and support and love whatever they come back with, then I think that's that's pretty amazing of you and good for you. And I'd be all for it. Where are you going to run into problems if mom is trying to torpedo this whole thing? Y'all got to be on the same page. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Is she totally against this? I've mentioned it a couple times. At first she totally was, but recently I kind of brought it up really quick and she kind of warmed up to the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, hey, what do you want? Uh, I'm at the Starbucks line. And by the way, can our kids worship Jesus Christ, Lord God and Savior? Ready to go. That's pretty much what it was. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Robert. Well done. Well done. Um, yeah, I wouldn't do it like that. Um, yeah, I've been kind of like testing the waters. <laughs> <laughs> You're ridiculous. But, 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 I understand. So, uh, I think it's worth a sit-down conversation. Have you sat down and had that full conversation with your wife, like you explained to me? No, no, I haven't. About no, not about your kids, but about you. Um, no, yeah, yeah, we've talked about that. Okay, and she still married you anyway. Why? Because she loves me. <laughs> Aww, <laughs> I love lots of people I'm not married to, Robert. <laughs> Is she going to be okay if your kids come back as believing Christian kids? Yeah, yeah, I think she would be. Okay, so. What's your question? I, I guess just just how do I how do I approach her on this? What kind of how should I start the conversation and 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 feel her out on it? Uh, I don't. I think you're trying to be awfully political on a really important topic, and so I think honesty and directness and dignity and respect are the approach here, not strategies and tactics. Um, I would sit down if I was you and say, okay, they've reached age X. 
we both don't like what's happening in public schools, partridge in a pear tree, whatever narrative that y'all have talked about there. I drew great benefit from the structure, from the morality, from the kindness, from all those pieces from this structure. And I want to give our children opportunity to have that same structure. This is important to me. Would you allow us to, to give this a shot? And here's, here's the other thing that I, I talk to parents all the time about homeschooling and private schools and this and that. And you can always just switch. Right? Yeah. If your kids come home and say, hey, I got to work on my memory verse and your wife just goes into a, you know, a, a rage, just starts setting the house on fire, you can always just put your kids back in public school. Yeah. Yeah, that's true too. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess my, my other question too was, is how do I guide my kids down this path, but not push them? You know, how do I know when, when they don't want to continue with it? If they're, maybe they won't tell me. I don't know that they get a vote. That's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. Mm -hmm. If there's abuse, I'll tell you, in my house, I missed it. Um, we put my kid in a private school. Uh, it wasn't a faith-based school. It was, just a, it was just a private school. And they had a lot of beliefs that we had, like no screens. And, you know, they learned math by doing things, like building things and cooking things and things like that. Super hippie school was awesome. Um, what I didn't know is that my son's teacher couldn't stand him. And that he was really struggling with connectivity with students. And I blamed him. And I told him things that I'm ashamed of. Like, suck it up. You got to get over it, dude. You need to quit. Fill in the blank. Until one day, my wife had the courage to go down there. And she sat down and talked to everybody. And we, and we had both talked but with the different people. But she finally got it. And she picked our kid up and walked out the door. And we have never been back. And so... When it comes to, hey, we're going to this school, I think a lot of times we give kids that option and that's, that's choice is so heavy on them. And that's a burden that I'm not going to put on my kids. Hey, we go to this school. This is the school you're going to. Except if they're being abused. If they're in a situation where the adults in that school don't like my kid, don't want my kid to succeed, want my kid to not be there, then I'm going to gladly, I'll help you out and I'll take my kid out. Other than that, I'm not going to put them in that situation. So I would tell your kids, hey, we're going to a new school. How old are your kids? Well, just one right now. How old? One. Years old? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Lead with that, Robert. A one-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> One-year-olds don't even can't. You especially don't get a vote until you can poop in a, in a, in a toilet. <laughs> fair? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um. Man, I thought your kids were like nine and six or something. Okay, so you have a one-year-old. Yeah, they don't get a vote, homie. Just send them to school. Okay. <laughs> you are way overthinking this. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, how about don't do that, man? You're going to make yourself nuts. All right. Um, if Yeah, yes. Just put your kid in a school. He'll, he'll be fine. Um. I think you need to be prepared for what happens if are we going to honor our kids' belief the, the same way we expect other people to honor ours? 
And I say that same thing to my friends who are Christian, whose kids come and be like, I don't know if I buy all of this. I always tell them, you, have a, you, you are not a crossroads that, that the kid just laid before you. Are you going to choose a relationship and the long-term game here? Or are you going to choose dogma and being right, right now? One of those may cost you your relationship with your kid forever. And I'm not saying parents give up on their belief. Kids, you, no, you're still going to go to church with me. All that stuff is still going to happen. But I'm talking about beating kids up over belief, which I've been working at universities my whole life. That, that's, I've just seen it over and over and over and over again. Parents sacrificing the long-term relationship with their kids over small battles. And so you're gonna, y'all, you and your wife are going to have to be totally on the same page when it comes to that. Because trying to torpedo a three-year-old or a four-year-old with, well, you know that's not true. I mean, that's just, man, it's just cruel, quite honestly. Yeah. And Robert, he's one. <laughs> one, one years old. I know that you know this, but you've got the rest of his sweet little life to worry about him. Just put him in school. And if you choose a private Christian school, fantastic, great. Um, honor the rules and regulations and honor the spirit of the place and be supportive of the teachers and be supportive of the curriculum and don't get mad when they teach things that you don't necessarily agree with because you signed up and sent your kid there. Or do what I do. I send my kids to public school. And I have taken ownership in my home of their spiritual direction and the things that they are learning. And I'm actually grateful for the stuff that they learn in the public school because they come home and ask me about it. And I get to teach them before they head off into the real world and learn about it and don't have me. They have Google instead. And so that's just the path I've chosen. I don't know that there's a right or wrong path here other than a mom and dad who are completely and totally attached and attuned to that kid and are willing to sometimes keep their mouth shut and say, that's very interesting. Tell me more about that. What does that look like? I would love to know more. What do you think, Daddy? Oh, I'm not telling you that. That's just for me. I love hearing what you have to say about it. That's hard. That's the long-term play. Play the long game. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, we're back as we wrap up today's show. I mean, this was a heavy show. It was unexpectedly heavy. Um, whew, and I talk too much in this show. I apologize, man. Hopefully, Sarah can edit it down. These calls, I, I just kept talking and talking and talking. A couple of them got me in a way that usually calls don't get me, but a couple of these hit pretty close to home. So, um, Sorry for rambling so much today's show. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, man, can't go wrong when things are down with a little JT, Justin Timberlake. Can't stop the feeling. Goes like this. I got this feeling inside my bones and it goes electric, wavy when I turn it on. 
all through my city, all through my home. We're flying up, no ceiling when we're in our zone. I got that sunshine in my pocket, got that good soul in my feet. Feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. <laughs> my body drops. I can't take my eyes off it moving so phenomenally. Outstanding use of the word phenomenally, JT. Room on lock, the way we rock it. So don't stop. I may talk too much, but we'll never stop. We'll see you soon. Love you guys.